Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and I started this podcast to pick the brains of creative songwriters, composers, and producers. You can find every interview at ComposerQuest.com. Now, if you've been following this podcast from the very beginning, this episode will have a little special significance for you. Join me, if you will, on a short trip back to Episode 2 with Ryan Ruff-Smith. Yeah, I, I I just love his work as a producer. I think he's brilliant, and he's so easy to work with, and mm-hmm. a great guy. And yeah, I know. I'm, and I'm, he'll never be on this podcast, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> because he's 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 kind of a behind the scenes guy. He he is he is, which is funny because he's he's an amazing performer. He is a great songwriter, but it's just kind of a matter of where his interests lie. I think. Mm-hmm. The talented guy we were talking about is our friend and a fellow music major, Tyler Thole. After pestering Tyler for almost a year and a half, he agreed to come out of internet obscurity and join me here on Composer Quest. I was very excited to talk with Tyler about his creative process because I really admire his composing and producing. In our talk, you'll notice us referencing a number of musicians who've been on this show before, including Tyler's drummer and collaborator, Pete James Johnson, from episode 15. Pete and Tyler make music together in the group Maple and Beach. And in this episode, we get a great peek into the composing and arranging that went into their latest EP. We also get to hear some new music that Tyler produced for Paul Spring from episode 11. My feet stutter Through cold clutter That holds up the roof in this old house Stick around till the end and you'll also get to be a fly on the wall in Tyler's studio as he produces the intro theme to this episode on the spot. Well, Tyler Thole, here we are in your studio on Composer (laughs) Quest. The day has finally come. It has. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, for listeners who've been listening to Composer Quest for a while, you've done a lot of the productions that people have heard on the show, including the very first episode with Mitch Johnson and second episode with Ryan Smith. And now you are releasing one of your own projects. Could you explain Maple and Beach, the project? Sure. Briefly, it's really just the name that I go by when I record music with Pete Johnson, who is another Composer Quest guest. Yes, I listened to the newest EP, advanced copy. Yeah, Um, yeah, (laughs) and really liked it. Thanks. Flashes and floaters. Yep. Is the EP. Yep. One thing I like about the sound of your EP is like your vocals. I've noticed the rhythm is so interesting with them. It's like a lot of syncopation and never like totally on the beat. Never bleary-eyed, 
I've been thinking more about music in terms of rhythm rather than melody, which is new for me. I used to really care about interesting chords and interesting melodies, but now it's more just about, I like complex rhythms. So I guess maybe subconsciously that bled over to my vocal melodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know. The title track, Flashes and Floaters, I thought it was really cool having this contrast between your vocals, which are like kind of floating around lots of interesting rhythms, and then contrasting that with the hook of the song, uh, instrumental hook, which is like very on the beat. How did you come up with that instrumental hook? I don't know how I came up with that. I knew that the original melody that I had in there, Nora told me, was an Enya hook. So I had to change it. (laughs) (laughs) So this was the first thing that came that wasn't Enya. (laughs) (laughs) I liked at the end of Flashes and Floaters how you brought back the main hook but in chime form, almost. I don't know if you did that consciously or not, but it's like a s- very similar rhythm, but in these oh, atonal yeah. chimes. Yeah, sort of. yeah, yeah. What gave you that idea? You know what? Maybe that's what informed the first hook, because that came before I changed the Enya hook. Oh, so nice. So, may, yeah, maybe that rhythm, maybe I was trying to write that in that rhythm. Nora, your wife, mm-hmm. and you sing on the album. Yep. And one thing I in- thought was interesting, too, is there's not quite as much harmony on this album. It's more of, like, she's doubling you yeah. at an octave. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. I, you know, again, I think it goes back to the rhythm thing. I I was really focused on the percussion and getting the drums really hot. And in general, the music is pretty thick already. So when I would try to put in harmonies there, things got a little messy and then just having Nora's voice in an octave from mine, it just made the melodies a lot cleaner and more focused, I thought. And her voice sounds so good and makes mine sound better than it is. So <laughs> I just try to double up my parts as much as I can. But I vocal layers you have at one time do you think well there are big 
sections in songs that don't actually sound that big. Like the end of the last song, uh, Moth Bully, there's a, like an ooh chorus. I think I probably have around 30 tracks of vocals. I really like your detailed productions. Like your attention to detail with things is Thanks. kind of yeah disturbing. A little too much time <laughs> on my hands. <laughs> well, how do how do you balance between details and seeing the big picture when you're mixing? I do try to remind myself about the big picture because all like the EPs that we've released are pretty conceptual and uh like these songs were all written in sort of the same month or so so in that regard like the songwriting is all coming from the same place you know but as i record them over you know months i'm sort of mixing as i'm going and changing things and it is really hard to remind yourself of where it started and what emotion, what vibe you're trying to convey. I don't know, do you ever get into that problem yourself? Like, do you get sort yeah. of stuck in the details and then... Yeah, uh, I think, like, when you're producing and adding all these little things that you think are cooler, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, yeah. you, you add ideas because you're kind of sick of the mix, maybe, sometimes. Yeah, But right. maybe for outsiders... It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't, like, yeah. yeah. There's a there's a big, yeah, right. I thought it was interesting. You sent me the early mixes, mm-hmm. too, and then changed some things for these mixes. Yeah. Um, which I thought the very beginning song, Carrier Giant. Yeah. You originally had a melody in... With the drums. With the drums. Yeah, yeah. And when you took it out, I actually kind of like it better without... Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not that it was a bad melody or anything. It just Uh, was like I wanted to have more breathing room at the beginning, just like leading up to. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Pete was back in town and we were listening to things, and he helped me sort of make that decision to pull that out. I'm glad you liked it. That's yeah. good. Hopefully it works out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because then you can really hear sort of those lower drones, uh, those cello tones, and all the drumming that's going on. A lot of these songs were built up even thicker than they ended up, and then we just peel back layers. What other kind of things did you find you were cutting out? I mean, the whole mood of a song will sometimes change. Like, that song, Carrier Giant, I probably had, like, four finished mixes at different stages. It started out as sort of just like an electric guitar thing. And then, you know, just swapping parts and, and maybe pulling out all of those electric guitars and 
playing a part that was on electric guitar on a synth or, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. At the end, the main synth line was originally played on uh, Barry Sax by uh, Nick's sister, Mara. Oh, yeah. And then I thought it would be cooler to just have the horn section being a real section, doing that all together and then having something else take that line, you know, to make it a bigger uh, contrast. I really haven't used horns, like a horn section all that much before Carrier Giant, which was, I think it's like two berry saxes, a trombone, trumpet, and then a bass clarinet. You know, most of my horn lines have been basically like a synthy kind of pad sound, just holding out long notes. But on that song, it's they're really little punchy little jabs that I thought sounded cool, having all those low sounds together, you know, and and still being an instrument that has a lot of attack. Uh, I mean, a, a group that has a lot of attack. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really cool effect. I feel like when someone thinks of a horn section in a pop song, they would think like ska band style <laughs> arrangement, but this yeah. is totally like a different style. Yeah, it's, it's on the bottom end of things, and it made me want to write more music for sax and bass clarinet, yeah. just hearing how they fit into things and trying to get those sounds to not really compete with all the low toms and the bass, Mm -hmm. things like that. I liked your instrumental on this, too. Elvis Taxon, too. Yeah. (laughs) I had to look that up, what Elvis Taxon is. Me, too. I don't don't know. I just liked it. Yeah, I liked the sound of it. That one, I really liked the shift. There's, like, a dramatic shift from more tense stuff. To suddenly, you're just, like have a couple tones and really serene. It's really kind of the whole concept of the recordings lyrically is it's about finding like a peace or like learning how to live with anxiety and then trying to find some sort of calm at the end of it. that a little bit of a metaphor for your life oh, re- yeah. over the <laughs> rec- recent history of your life? Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> you sent me your lyrics, which are never going to be published <laughs> to the public, um, but I don't know why you would want to hide them because they're super poetic. Ah, uh, thanks, man. I really like it. Yeah, I tried to use a lot of descriptions and just trying to set a mood because that's what... I like in music is sort of the mood of a song, the way the lyrics make you feel rather than sort of like telling you a story. Sure. I'm not a person who listens to lyrics on the first or second or third time 
and your lyrics are a little bit harder to hear. Just the style you sing in, which is, I think is also a cool effect because it's a little bit mysterious. But it was cool reading the lyrics because I got a, another piece of the puzzle. Oh, cool. I don't know. Feel oh, like I'm glad the, you I feel like, like the whole EP is kind of mysterious, like how it's all connected. And So you were saying that there's a specific part in the wind yeah. instruments that makes it through the whole... Yeah, so like on the song Flashes and Floaters, I knew that I wanted the solo to be two flutes, a bassoon, trombone, and trumpet. And I really liked how those sounds sounded together. And so I notated that and had them record their parts. And it's a pattern of three eighth notes, then a rest, then two eighth notes, then a rest, and then it keeps repeating. Hmm. Uh, So the accent falls on different parts of the bar. And then I put a delay on the whole section. took that and bounced that out as its own thing and then it shows up in the three other songs you know I just would pitch it down and time compress or expand it and and loop that uh, in different ways it's the first sound that you hear on carrier giant that sort of pulsing is that just all messed up and affected and stuff So what chords are going on there? Do you know what? You know, I don't. It sounded I, like a lot of major seconds. Yep, lots of major seconds in there, yeah. So so that's why it translated so easily to other keys um, over other chords, you know, because it wasn't really defined chord-wise. Yeah. So you've also been uh, producing... Another Composer Quest guests uh, EP, Paul Spring. Yeah. Borderline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah how's that process been? A total joy. The session started with Paul and his bassist, Charlie Bruber, coming in to the studio and just recording those two on acoustic guitar. Paul would sing at the same time, and then and Charlie would play upright bass. We've spent the last few bondage where freedom was a state of mind maybe you can find a way to sneak us to the borderline then Paul went on a little tour for a month and during that time I sort of built up arrangements and sort of added layers of noise and thick strings and feedback and stuff and sent him mixes and we sort of kept going back and forth like that building up songs and 
again, sort of taking them down until we came with something that we were happy with. My feet stutter Through cold clutter That holds up the roof in this old house My mother the title track borderline i really liked the effect of having paul and his guitar and then there's like these almost like frozen long lines in the synth and bass and cello what was your creative process with that one it's a really long song it's like six or seven minutes long and i knew paul wanted to have sort of each verse sound different and there's just so much intricacy in the guitar playing and the bass playing that I didn't want to fight with that stuff rhythmically so I knew that I wanted longer drones uh, so a lot of things are doing those sounds that you're talking about like there's a bowed vibraphone with a really long reverb on it and uh, Nick playing some really long tones. On trombone. On trombone, yep. And that's what I sort of wanted to do, is just like build up a thick mess around this really pretty melody and guitar and Paul's great voice. Maybe you can find a Tips or tricks that you've learned? Kind of a broad question. Yeah. I know things that I want to do. Uh, I I feel like I sort of fall into the same trap. So, like, I want to... I know Mitch does this, uh, sets limitations for himself on songs. So, like, I, I do want to set limitations for myself in the future. I w- I'd like to write in different modes. I did that, I think, for, maybe for the first time ever in... Uh, Flashes and floaters. It's a little yeah. mixolydian in there. The and cello part. Yeah, the cello part. Very Beatlesy. Very Beatles. Which yeah. is cool. That cello part just made me think, oh gosh, I don't write in any other modes ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like kind of cool to 
Is this too nerdy? Is this stupid? No, this is not too nerdy. This is a podcast about (laughs) composing, and we're nerds. So I'll I'll say that my favorite mode is Lydian. Oh, all right. Sometimes Dorian. (laughs) Depending on what mood you're in. Yep. So what else would you like to do as a composer? Didn't Nick say something about, like, a seven-sided die? Did, or did oh, you have he something? gave me one. Yeah. Yeah, with all the yeah. keys in it. Yeah, I want to do something like that uh, to write melodies using <laughs> chants and then, you know, just at least to give me pitches. This is all, you know, I haven't done this yet. It's just like a goal. Hey, yeah. Uh, that, well, this is going to get really nerdy, but <laughs> okay. Here's what you could do. Also, if you want to, this is a method I've wanted to try too is like assign keys to dice rolls yeah and so like the most common dice roll is a seven if you have two dice okay yeah anyone who plays settlers of Catan knows that but (laughs) (laughs) um then next most common is six and eight then next most common you know five and nine sure and so what i the idea i had was to have the note or key of C or a C chord be 7 and then you work your way out so that F corresponds to 6 and G corresponds to 8 so you get you work your way out from the circle of fifths to the the keys that are very unrelated so like C sharp is very different than C yeah and that would be if you're basing it on C, the most uncommon one would be C sharp. If yeah. that was like a 12 roll or something. That's a cool idea. Yeah. So yeah. I've thought about just like trying to come up with a whole song just by rolling dice. Just like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Just like finding ways to get yourself out of doing like the same patterns. Yeah. You know, you sort of rely on the same melodies, whether you know it or not, and the same chord progressions and things like that so yeah have you thought about that with rhythms i was actually thinking about the dice thing the getting a dice and and so you could roll a dice for the chords and then also for the pitches if you defined what mode you're in so each side is a note and then you could somehow assign the dice a rhythm to yeah and then just write it all down and then you have to live with that, but but I was yeah. thinking, I don't know, I was kind of thinking about maybe just doing it for the chords and the pitches, and then that's where then I can use my own rhythm to make it sound a little more palatable, you know? Yeah. One thing that I kind of was thinking about when Maya started teaching music to her little kids, second graders, she teaches them to write out rhythms before they add pitches to them. Which I thought was really cool, just like composing just with rhythms and then later either assign pitches randomly or... That's um, a cool idea. Yeah. So That's a cool idea. Or maybe even like starting a song, I thought about maybe starting a song with drums and just working off of that. You know, just coming up with a really cool groove and then writing to that versus... I don't know how you work, but usually on like a piano or a guitar or something, and then yeah, and then you know basically the other the opposite way. Yeah. Oh, that 
That sounds like a great idea. What's it like working with Pete Johnson as your drummer when you guys are coming up with stuff? Well, this time, drums were the first thing I think we tracked. And I had drum parts in mind when we went into the session, except for the song Flashes and Floaters. I really didn't know like how that w- song was going to sound. And then he came up with this, putting the emphasis on a part of the measure that I hadn't thought of. And just that simple thing changed the whole mood of the song for me. And then subsequently, like the arrangement changed. And that's when I decided to put in a lot more like hand drums. And it really changed the direction of the whole record, just that one one accent. Could you say what yeah uh, beat that's on yeah that so like i'll like, tell you what it, i thought it was going to be and what he did so i thought it was just going to be a simple mallet thing on the toms he did oh cool so it was really like that one accent set the whole mood for the whole thing a few milliseconds. Uh, yeah. No, no, it's just like, goes back to what we were saying about the dice. It's just like, it just confirmed with me that it's good to get other brains in on the composition because you'll come up with something more interesting than you would probably on your own. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's probably more secrets to this album that I don't know about. Of yours, yeah. Are there are there any other like little nuggets? Cool nuggets. I mean, the songs are related a lot of them compositionally to songs on the older Tides EP, which was the previous EP. Like I'll use some of the same phrases and words and sounds. Am I imagining this, or I got the sense? I don't know why, but when I was listening to older Tides mm. after listening to your new one, it sounded like some of the lines were, like the melodies were inverted or something. Oh. I don't know. That was by accident. I wish. Oh, God. That would (laughs) have been cool. I know that some chords, like Flashes and Floaters and Beachcomber, share a lot of the same chords. It's in the same key, and it does the descending. There's like a G-sharp diminished chord that resolves to a G in both. conscious compositional thing to make them similar in that way that chord progression for some reason i think of as a tyler thole chord progression (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why but the diminished uh to resolving down maybe yeah i i I, oh wait or yeah maybe i'm thinking of something else i don't (laughs) but i really liked that oh maybe you're thinking of the i always do a what is it a uh, seven of six to a six. Mm. Do. Yeah, uh, maybe that. Is it, maybe that's what you're thinking. Uh, Mitch calls me out on using the five of six too much. So <laughs> I'm like trying not to. No.
I, as always, I have to challenge my Composer Quest guests here to come up with an intro theme for the podcast. That's right. How much time do you have? I have however long. Okay. We'll time it. Cool. Uh, so I'm going to just start out with like this cloud chamberable part. Uh, let's see what happens. Sometimes I like to play things like really loosey-goosey and then quantize and see where things end up, you know? Hmm. And then you kind of get cooler rhythms than if you had planned. Yeah. I'm going to add, uh, I've got these cool sample library of uh, prepared piano. Hmm. John Cage. Uh, How do you record vocals? Uh, like, do you like to layer? You do some layering. I, it depends on the style I'm singing, because like yeah. my whole voice doesn't work well layered because it's too like sharp sounding. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So unless I'm doing like really high or like falsetto or like really breathy stuff. Yeah. Composer, composer, quit. One, two. Composer quest, composer quest, composer quest, com. Not very original lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But we'll see. Now I have to make it sound right. <laughs> <laughs> composer quest, composer quest, compose. How annoying is that? Composer <laughs> quest, compose. That'll haunt your dreams tonight. <laughs> So, Tyler, you just made us an awesome intro in, like, 15 minutes. That's great. Thanks, man. <laughs> we should just mention for people your CD release show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Along with Paul Spring with Paul. and Dylan McFarling, who's yep. also been on the podcast. So We're all there. Um, yeah. If you're in Minnesota, where is that going to be and when? Uh, it's going to be at the Amsterdam uh, Hall on May 23rd. Uh, that's a Friday. Cool. Yeah. So for people who aren't in Minnesota but want your EP, mm-hmm. where can they get that? On our website, uh, just a Bandcamp. I think it's mapleandbeach.bandcamp.com, and it's just for free download on uh, May 6th. Cool. And Beach is B 
B-E-E-C-H. Like the tree, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure, Tyler. Pleasure, yeah. Thanks again for coming on Composer Quest. Well, you know I'm a fan, so it was really good to be on. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Tyler Thole. If you heard any songs you liked in this episode, I have a list of all of them in the show notes at composerquest.com slash Tyler. We have four more episodes until the Composer Quest Season 2 finale, and I'm excited about all of these episodes. Stay tuned at facebook.com slash composerquest or twitter.com slash composerquest. And remember, you can always say hi to me through an email, charlie at composerquest.com. Now, I'll leave you with the track that Tyler produced for our friend Ryan Ruff Smith from episode two. This one always gets stuck in my head. From Ryan's latest EP, Wildered and Western, this is State of Nature. Take you down, please take me down.